welcome. Glad you're all here this morning. It's been a beautiful day, pretty nice week. I've got a lot done this week. I feel productive. Maybe you have also got some of those things off the to-do list checked off, so it always feels good. Um, I do want to start with something a little bit different this morning. Um, if you've been coming here for a while, um, one of our praise team members, uh, Tammy and her family were in a car accident last night, and they're in the hospital, especially their little son, um, Mason, uh, first grader, I think. Um, he's got some, uh, he's at Hershey and so forth. So I'd like us to just start by praying for them, if we could do that. Father God, thank you for uh, allowing us to be here this morning. It makes us mindful that things like car accidents could happen to any of us, and uh, life is so fragile. Uh, we do pray for Tammy and Justin and Mason and Elijah in this uh, accident. We pray that they're getting good care in the facilities they're in, and uh, we pray for the family, and they're really concerned, I'm sure, for them. And we pray that uh, they'll soon be well and um, back to uh, their lives and back to serving you. Uh, God, we thank you for uh, the years we've known them, and we look forward to knowing them uh, for many years to come. Uh, we're just trusting you, God, and them into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're in a series called The End Commandments. That'll make more sense in a minute. Uh, today's a topic that uh, probably I've teached on as much, taught on as much in the last 40 years as anything else. It's one of those things that we just don't get. <laughs> uh, I'd be out of a job, right, if I just taught everything and everybody got it every, all, all at once, and then I wouldn't have to do it again. Uh, but this is one of these areas that I continue to have to work on, and I'm sure you do. Uh, but this is one thing Jesus told us not to do, and that's to worry. So 2,000 years ago, God's son, Jesus, shows up on the planet, and he begins to teach some things uh, a lot different than what people had heard before. And he started something new. We call it the church, and we're part of that. And uh, he taught some new, new teachings, a uh, new relationship with God, a new way of doing things. And uh, he topped it off with uh, a new commandment I give you, to love one another as I have loved you. And um, then he dies and is raised from the dead, and he tells them, go and teach these things to everybody, not just to Jews, but to everybody. And we're part of that command to go and teach everybody uh, what Jesus taught. The interesting thing was, back then, all they had was what they remembered from Jesus saying, teachings that were passed on, stories, resurrection accounts, and that's why we call it a resurrection religion. The big deal was, hey, this guy said he was going to die and come back to life. He, he did exactly that, so we believe everything else he said, all right? And so, for example, do not worry. He said that. We believe it. It's, a, it's actually a miracle that the church survived the first century without a Bible, without uh, anything written down uh, to teach. Just the, the power of the resurrection, just the church spread and grew uh, until today. So this series is called The End Commandments. These are, we're looking at five of them, five things that Jesus said not to do. Now these aren't really like commandments because they're not things we really think we should not do or even cannot do. They seem so 
unrealistic, impractical, impossible, and uh, especially this one today, I, th- I call it one of our acceptable sins. Uh, we do it because we just think it's okay or we can't stop doing it. And that's to worry not. So I, if I get up here and say worry not, you're all going to just stop worrying, right? And see, it doesn't work that way, does it? In an Old Testament form, we would call it thou shalt not worry. Right. <laughs> now, <clears throat> Jesus, uh, if you read through the Bible, the Gospels, beginning of the New Testament, where stories are about Jesus. Jesus, uh, in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, we have this longest sermon, if you want to call it that, of Jesus. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. He's outside, a bunch of people are gathering. He teaches these, all these, a lot of these new things, and kind of different twists on the Old Testament and so forth. And right in the middle, he teaches on what we're talking about today. And it's probably, I believe it's the longest teaching in that sermon is on this topic of worry. So Jesus knew it was a big issue to us. And he talked about it early in his ministry. And we're going to look at it. He talked about it at the end of his ministry. So it was one of those ongoing things that Jesus taught and that we also teach. And here's what it is. Uh, Here's what he said, beginning in Matthew 26, 25. So I tell you not to worry. Now, as we look at this, it's just brilliant. It, of course, it's Jesus' teaching. Uh, he comes with these, up with these fantastic insights. Um, and it's, to me, I'm a logical person, and it just, it just makes perfect sense, uh, everything he says. And uh, so we're going to look at that in a few minutes. But first, we're going to summarize it with five questions he's going to ask in this, in this teaching. And so we'll go through these real quickly. The first question is this. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life or anyone's life? Can you do that? Next question. Who of you, by worrying, has probably taken a year off of your life? Don't raise your hand. All right. Next question. Who of you, by worrying, is driving people in your life out of their minds because you're worrying? Now, everybody's, my wife's not as big a worrier as I am, so I'm probably driving her crazy, and if you're in a... If you're married, you've probably got one worry. One's worries more than the other. Uh, but yeah, if, you, if you're the bigger worry, you're driving the other person in your relationship uh, crazy. What's the next question? He addressed, who of you by worrying has upgraded your wardrobe or reduced your grocery bill? Anybody able to do that? Um, lady, uh, I need to discount these groceries because I was worrying this week about it. Uh, check out lady going to do that for you? No, nah, it doesn't work that way, does it? And lastly, who of you by worrying has added value to what you value most? So that's kind of a summary of where, where Jesus is going to go with his teaching. And if you ask the questions that way, the answers are pretty simple, aren't they? So it's, the teaching today is do not worry. Now the hard part is... How do you do that, right? I can't stop myself from doing that. And the brilliance of Jesus' teaching is he gives us logic, and then he gives us alternatives. And the wonderful thing is this actually can work. And if you're not a Jesus follower, we're really glad that you're here this morning. But if you're not a Jesus follower, this might be a good enough reason to become a Jesus follower. All right? To be able not to worry, that's pretty, pretty good, especially if it doesn't cost you anything, right? So let's get started with the teaching. It's kind of long, so we'll go through these verses together, try and follow along. 
This is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life. All right, so that's everything in your life, everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Now, how many of you worried about what you're going to have to eat this morning? You might have wor- worried about which of the choices you had, but you didn't worry about actually having food. Just look around. None of us are really starving to death, are we? That's not something we really worry about too much. Drinking, you probably got multiple choices what to drink when you go home this afternoon. Uh, not a real big concern. Not something you really worry about. And clothes, now let's be honest. Most of us have to clean our closets out about once a year and get rid of a bunch because we don't wear them. We've got more clothes than we need. Occasionally, my kids will tell my wife not to let me wear something I've worn on a Sunday morning anymore. Uh, and I have to get rid of it. But then I don't worry about clothing. Now, we have to realize in the first century, these were the biggies. When they went to bed at night, they didn't know if they, w- they would have food. The average person, food the next day. That drinking water uh, wasn't clean. That was a big uh, concern of those. And most people maybe had two cha- a change of clothes, two sets of clothes. That was it. You couldn't afford any more than that. So, you know, if one got ruined, you know, these were big concerns for first century people. They would laugh at us. Because these aren't concerns that are all for us, are they? Well, oh, I've got concerns. How am I going to pay, you know, my car payment? Or how am I going to, uh, you know, deal with this relationship issue? Or maybe my job is a little shaky. Or, you know, we have concerns, right? They're not those concerns, but we have our concerns. But in reality, our concerns and their concerns was about later. You know, am I going to have enough food, water, drink, clothing for later? Jesus goes on. Isn't life more than food? Yeah, I mean, I need food to live, but, you know, some of us, what's the old adage? Live to eat or eat to live? Uh, Most of us live to eat, but we're just supposed to eat to live. And is your body more than clothing? Yeah, that's a simple quest answer to that question. The problem is we equate life with those things. Like, wow, life's about food. Oh, wow, life's about clothing. You know, I'm into fashion. And if you are, that's fine. But life's really not about those things. We usually say it this way. Life's about relationships, right? Not about food, and clothing. And then Jesus kind of goes off, looks, appears to go off on a tangent. He says, look at the birds. Now, I don't have time to sit around and look at the birds. I got this old guy on my street. Uh, he drives down my street. He's about 80 years old and drives a little, drives really slow. I always know it's when it's him, a little green car. And, and that's what he does. He dri- and we live in the woods, and I guess there's a good place to go bird watching. He watches birds, but that's for old people, right? <laughs> Most of us aren't going to sit around and watch the, lots to birds. Now, we have to understand this sermon was, or teaching was done where? Outside. So they were literally, could see the birds. All right, so he's probably teaching. He says, hey, hey, here's a good example for you. Look at the birds. All right, and what does he say about the birds? 
They don't plant or harvest. Now, some of you have gardens, and you're probably planting stuff. And, uh, you know, when you harvest it all, if you got too much, you want to share it with me, that's fine, because I don't have a garden. But the birds don't do that. We do that, but they don't do that. And you'll freeze it and can it and so forth. And they store it away in barns. Your heavenly Father feeds them the birds, all right? I'm amazed in the wintertime when it's snow everywhere and the, you see the birds flying around. They're eating something. I don't know. But God takes care of them. And aren't you far more valuable to him, to God, than they are? They're not made in, God in God's image. Jesus didn't die for them. So that makes you and I way more valuable than the birds that God takes care of. Now, is he teaching here irresponsibility? Hey, just float through life. Don't work. Don't care about anything. Just be irresponsible. Is that what he's teaching? No, 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 no. What he's teaching is you and I as people have a huge advantage over the animal kingdom. It's also our problem. It's also the reason it allows us to worry is we can prepare, we can plan, we can think of the future. We can plant crops and, and store them away during the summertime so we have food to eat in the wintertime. That's a great advantage, isn't it, over the animal kingdom. But it also allows us to worry, doesn't it? Because birds don't worry. So we have this great advantage, but it also gives the capability to worry. So he goes on. Can all your worries, bundle them all together, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And again, it's that they're thinking logically, no, it doesn't add any time to my life. In fact, it takes away time. The time I'm worrying, I could be doing other stuff. So it's taking away. So that's, that's, that's a simple answer. Goes on. And why worry about your clothing? Then he uses another example. He's outside. He says, okay, look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work. They don't make their clothing. You know, they, they don't labor. And then he uses an Old Testament example. Yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautiful as they are. So Solomon was like the third king of Israel. He was the richest one. He was the smartest one. And... You could have anything you wanted. So no matter how much money you had, no matter what you bought, clothing you could put on, you're still not going to be more beautiful than flowers. And they just grow. And God takes care of them. Uh, and God so takes care, so cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow. And they will, you know, if you cut them in a couple days, they will. Even if you don't, they're going to die in a few days and they're gone, Right? So then he gets to the crux of the matter. He, God, will certainly, absolutely, positively care for you. So he's getting to the heart of the matter, the heart of worry. Will God take care of you enough? Simple question. And then he... Gives them a little dig, or maybe a big dig. <laughs> Why do you have so little faith? Why do you have so little 
trust in God? Why do you have so little confidence in God? Takes care of birds, takes care of flowers, you're a lot more valuable, yet you can't trust him? Now, there's something going on here in the original language we miss in English. And um, Jesus probably taught in Aramaic. Matthew's writing in Greek. And he's trying to convey what Jesus was saying. And uh, Jesus was a fantastic speaker, obviously. And he uses a, a kind of a play on words to explain, same, same word, this idea, and, and Jesus has poking fun at them, and the listeners would have kind of chuckled when they heard it. So here, here, here's kind of, kind of what he's trying to say here, Matthew's trying to say here. You little faithers, you. You, you, just, you just little faithers. You don't have big faith, you got little faith. <clears throat> Jesus even tells you teaching, teaching about, you know, faith, faith as big as a mustard seed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's just, he's just little faithers. How little is your God? That's what you're saying. So the problem is trust. Worry is lack of trust. And what we do is we drag tomorrow's issues into today. And we worry about them. And God just says to us, I got this. I'm God. I got this. Why are you worried about it? So he, re- he reiterates. So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? You know, when will I have another date? You know, uh, one of the things you worry about. Uh, taxes, if you haven't done your taxes, you better do them tomorrow. But anyway, that's another issue. Uh, do you worry about, you know, Money, don't worry about money, don't worry about your job, don't worry about school, study, but don't worry about school. Don't worry about any of these things. Now, then he insults us all. (laughs) He says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Not saying uh, we are unbelievers, but we are imitating unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs, so you don't need to let them dominate your thoughts. If we were confident that that was true, that he already knows all our needs and is willing to supply those needs, we wouldn't worry. For example, you go to, go to, go to bed tonight and you hear God whisper to you, I know. I know. I know what you got coming up tomorrow. Now, it kind of freak you out a little bit if you heard God's voice, I guess. But after you got past that, wouldn't that be cool? I know about that medical issue. I know about that relationship issue. I know about that financial issue. I, I know. And I'm God. <laughs> so all those things that you and I are so uncertain about. You know, who am I going to marry one day? Am I going to get into this school? Am I going to get a job? You know, uh, <laughs> I'm older than a lot of you, but I'm thinking, okay, what's retirement going to be like? And <laughs> you know, for 40 some years, I've been teaching the Bible every Sunday, and then I'll just stop. It's kind of weird, but anyway, all those uncertainties, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Now, there's a <clears throat> 
Thing we, another thing we don't catch here in English. This word dominate and the thing uh, seek down here are the same words. So you could say it this way. Unbelievers seek those things. Uh, or you could say the kingdom of God should dominate our thoughts. What we do when we worry is try and control the uncontrollable. You ever worry about the weather? How silly is that one? Anybody got control of the weather? But we're trying to control the uncontrollables. And he says, instead of that, seek the kingdom of God first or above all else. Then he goes on, and live righteously, meaning try and do the right things. And he, meaning God, will give you everything you need. Not everything you want, but everything you need. Now, this is a conditional promise here, meaning if you and I put God first and try and do the right things, and everything else is taken care of. Now, if we don't, he doesn't have to keep his promise, but God is so gracious that he does, he gives us everything we need anyway. So when you're tempted to borrow from tomorrow... Look for a way to participate in what God is doing today. Seek first his kingdom. We'll get to that a little bit later. So what do you worry about? Well, I got a whole list. I know you got a whole list, but what's, what's your biggest worry or biggest two? All right, got them? All right. Jesus says, so don't worry about whatever that is. And he's going to relabel it for us, which is a cool part of his teaching. Okay, whatever that is. You got something in there, right? I worry about my kids, my grandkids, my finances, my health, whatever. You got one. All right, he says, so don't worry about literally tomorrow. You're worrying about the future. And basically he's saying live in the present, not live in the future. So it's not about, really about your kids. It's about tomorrow, the future. It's really not about your finances. It's about tomorrow. It's really not about your health. It's about tomorrow. And then he says kind of a simple statement. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries, right? <laughs> we'll have enough issues tomorrow. We don't have to worry if we're going to have something to worry about tomorrow. We certainly will. Today's trouble is enough for today. Just focus on today. So don't worry. Your heavenly Father is with you today and he's waiting on you tomorrow. That's a pretty cool thought, right? He's with me today and since God's not limited by time, he's already waiting on me tomorrow and the next day. He's already been there. It's going to be new to me if it's not new to him. So here's two questions to kind of summarize this. What if you believe that? That God's with me today and waiting on me tomorrow. And the second question is, why not believe that? Now, I'm going to give you something to push back. I'll put it on the screen even for you, okay? Well, I'm not going to believe it because it's kind of goofy. That's kind of absurd. That's kind of crazy. Secondly, I'm not sure it's going to sure it'll work. I know Jesus taught this and pa- preacher, pastor, you're, you're teaching this. I'm not sure it works. In fact, I'm not sure God will come through. You know, I had this time when I, you know, I prayed for this and God didn't give me what I wanted, so I'm not sure God comes through. 
Okay, so let me give you another option then. You're not going to trust God? Uh, let's trust worry. Right? Let's trust worry. Well, that's pretty, that's really crazy, right? I know that doesn't work. Well, you know, once I worried about this thing and it turned out good. Oh, no, it didn't turn out good because you worried about it. It just turned out good. I know that doesn't work. Worry never comes through. Simple question. Which is more dependable, God or worry? See the brilliance of Jesus' teaching? He makes it seem so absurd what we think is normal behavior. Now, Jesus didn't just teach this once. He taught it over and over again. In fact, he gets his disciples together the last time he has them together. And he reiterates his teaching. And John writes it down for us. It's in John 14. Pretty familiar if you've been about church for a while. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't worry. Trust. Believe. Trust. Have faith. And then later in the, in the chapter, he says this. <clears throat> I am leaving you with a gift. Gifts are cool, right? What's the gift? This is a fantastic gift. Peace of mind and heart. Now, I really like that because it's not just, I can have intellectual peace. I can lo- go through this logic here and say, yeah, I got this intellectual peace. But my emotions are all over the place, right? No, he's saying, no, no, no. I'm going to give you peace of mind and heart, or mental and emotional peace. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. You can't get this anywhere else. You can't go down to the store and buy, hey, I want some, you know, a bottle of peace. Can't do it. Doesn't exist. No place else you can get this. So, don't be troubled or afraid. Worry is really fear. And then he dies. Then they're really worried, right? We've been following you for three years, and then you just go and die on us? And then, of course, he raises from the dead. And everything that didn't make any sense at all before makes complete sense now because if you can die and come back to life, you can certainly take care of my little worries, right? Again, that's the logic. And then about 25 years later, Paul is this this Gentile. Oh, he's a Jew, but he ministered to the Gentiles. And he started this church in Philippi, and he's writing to them, and they're all worried. And so it sounds just like Jesus talking, but... uh, there's a pretty, another pretty familiar passage. And then we'll tie this all together. Don't worry about anything. But, 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 I don't know. That's an anything. Don't worry about anything. Now, give us an alternative. Instead, pray about everything. <clears throat> so one, one technique. <clears throat> uh, I'm worried about my kids. Uh, well, why don't I just pray for my kids? Uh, why don't worry about my fa- Why don't I just pray for my finances? Tell God what you need. So God, I need you to, you know... Get my finance, help me get my finances straightened out. And thank him for all he's done. Now, the longer you live, the easier this is to do because you can think of all the time over your life that God has taken care of you. Then, if you do that, and I do that, then we'll experience God's peace. Not some kind of mind game peace, but real peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. I can't really explain it to you. I can, I can experience it. I've seen other people experience it when, hey, their life is falling apart and they're still calm. His peace will guard, again, your hearts and minds, minds and emotions, 
as you live in Christ Jesus. So what he's saying is it's not about circumstances. It's not about when life is going good. Some of you worry when life is going good. (laughs) Right? Will you choose trust or worry? Now, here's the good news. Worry is a bad habit. You ever broken a bad habit? All broken bad habits, right? So, you can break this bad habit. So, we're going to give you three takeaways here at the end. See, three practical things you can do to break this bad habit and have God's peace instead of worry. Takeaway number one. Begin your day declaring your trust. Or some of you are night people. You know, it takes you three hours to wake up in the morning. Then do it in the evening. I don't care. Just take a time. We call it a quiet time. Get along with God. Get on your knees if that helps. Get a Bible. Preferably a, you know, a regular Bible. Because if you do it on your phone, it's too easy to get distracted, right? All the other stuff that's on your phone. So get a real Bible. If you don't have one, we'll give you one. Somebody I was talking to this week said they had a real small Bible and it was hard to find. I said, we'll give you one, okay? Uh, Get a Bible and say, okay, God, I trust you today. You you know, worries about the future. So focus on today. You know, I got this coming up today. I got a test in school. I've got, you know, this interview. I've got whatever. I'm trusting you to help me with whatever it is that day, all right? If it's in the evening, you say, God, I'm trusting you about uh, uh, tomorrow. And then, especially if you're new at this, you might want to read through the, this, this teaching of Jesus. And again, think about the logic of it, all right? See, prayer is worry in reverse. See, worry makes things bigger. Prayer makes things smaller. So take some time, be alone with God. Doesn't have to be a long time. You know, you can do this Five minutes, ten minutes. Most of us can do that. Second takeaway. Relabel your worry tomorrow. Say, hey, I'm really worried about tomorrow. I mean, your kids may be small and you're worried about college for them. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Uh, No, 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 no. That's all about tomorrow. God says focus on today. I'm worried about tomorrow and God knows what I need tomorrow. Yes or no? God knows what you need tomorrow? You might not know, but he knows. So I don't need to worry about it. And third takeaway, and we'll be finished. When tempted to worry about tomorrow, we talked about this earlier, look for a way to participate in what God's doing today. This is a biggie. So when you're worried about something in your life, think about somebody else. Write them a letter. Send them a card. Go visit them. Call them up on the phone. Send them a text, email. Think about somebody else. Look away, uh, at a way to participate. Be God's hands and feet. You'd be amazed how much easier it is not to worry when you're concerned about other people. Let it trigger, trigger what he's calling kingdom concerns, God's concerns. Well, yeah, let people, you know, these people and the needs they have and these people, etc. Besides, can it add a, worrying add an hour to your life? In fact, worry's probably taking a year off our life and is driving the people in our family crazy and it hasn't helped uh, my grocery bill and it hasn't helped my, my clothing issues. 
So then he says, that's why I tell you not to worry. Let's pray. God, it's so easy for me to say this. It's so easy to read what Jesus wrote. But wow, life gets really uh, complicated. But you know that. And these are one of these things, you've been, been, been around church a long time, just kind of one of those acceptable things. We all do it, no big deal. But no, <laughs> we shouldn't do it, and it is a big deal. Because we're saying, basically, we're not trusting you, God. We can't trust you with this situation, so we're going to worry about it and make, it's going to make it better. Crazy, isn't it? So forgive us for being little faithers. Uh, it's a prayer of the man in the Bible. Uh, help our unbelief. And we want to pray for anyone who's not a believer this morning that... Uh, this might be important enough for them to, to try following you, God. To step across that line and enter into a relationship with you. Uh, we pray that they would do that. And God, none of us know what tomorrow brings, but you do. You've already been there. You got it. We don't have to worry about it. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.